Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Paul is a, a dear friend. He's, this, he's, this is, he's part of our family. And uh, Paul functions as one of our external overseers along with Papa Jack, Taylor, and Bob Hazlett. And I appreciate them functioning in that role, and we, we pull on them for counsel, and uh, he's been a tremendous blessing to us. And so uh, I was telling that we, we gathered a group of pastors this afternoon, and I was telling them that I know of very few people. Paul is perhaps the, the greatest example of a revelatory teacher that I know. He's able to take a, a revelation and just milk that for all it's worth and get so much out of that that initial deposit, that initial seed, and I so appreciate that about him. It challenges me, and I always, I was teasing Paul this afternoon when I dropped him off the, the, ho- the hotel. I said, Paul, I had to have you in because I'm running out of material. You know, I always get a lot when he's around. So I've got pages of notes already, just things. He's, he just makes me think and uh, opens things up for my own heart. You're in for a treat tonight. How many of you have never heard Paul preach? Paul Yadow. Okay, we got a number of you, so this is going to be good tonight. And uh, get ready, and uh, I want you to give a good Heartland welcome to Paul Yadow. Amen. Thank you so much. It's amazing to, to be in an atmosphere where hunger is and where the heart pursues God. You know, God is omnipresent, but he's more present where he is pursued. We go through seasons in our journey with the Lord. Sometimes we pursue the kingdom like like a child, longing for milk, like a child in the arms of a father, trusting. And that's, that's powerful. Sometimes we don't have to fight our battles. We just have to rest in the arms of a loving father. That's powerful. And I've, I've seen a lot of, of breakthroughs in my life coming from rest. As, as my spiritual father would all, always say, you know, we wear the enemy out by resting. <laughs> rest is a powerful weapon. Uh, some, oftentimes we, we say, Faith is risk, and we, we want that. It's radical, and there's that part of faith that is that's amazing. It's, it's needed. But there's part of faith that is trust. It's not on me. It's on his side, and I lean on him. But there's part of our pursuit of God in which we, we posture our hearts not 
or our, our hearts or our minds or our, our whole being, not like a, a little child in the arms of the father, but like sons who will fight, rise up. Matthew 11, verse 12, it says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, and Jesus was saying that the kingdom of God experience a violent pursuit. Violent men lay hold of the kingdom like a precious prize. So whether we're like babies, trusting, soaking, and crying in the arms of the Father, or standing up and fighting for our inheritance, it is a matter of knowing what posture the Holy Spirit is leading us. I've, I've always loved to soak. But there were times I would soak and I couldn't get any breakthrough at all I, or I don't feel any breakthrough. And it's not as though he, his presence left, but he's moving to bring me to another place. And so I have to be aware of his presence or, or of his presence and embrace the moment now so I could engage it. And sometimes I soak and nothing happens. I, I rise up and start declaring the word of the Lord and I, and I then begin to feel heaven opening up. So whether it's the word in your heart and like a baby you keep it and receive it as something that nurtures you or the word on your lips like a sword against the enemy both ways, the way we, we steward the word will, will be the manner in which we will be able to exercise authority. Amen. God designed us for breakthrough. We're wired for victory, not defeat. In Christ, there's no defeat. He is victorious. He overcame grave, the grave. He overcame death, sin, sickness. He won it. And that Christ who is seated on the throne is the same Christ who is in us, glorious. And John wrote that as he is, so are we in this world. Amen? So tonight, I just want to tackle several things here, but... First of all, it's, it's about the word of the Lord, how, how we posture our hearts before the word, word of the, the Lord will greatly affect the way we live, the way we engage God's promises, the way we, we face circumstances around us. Uh, let me start with um, Isaiah chapter 55 it says here, God saying, verse 8, For my thoughts are, are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. That's, that's a good thing to know. <laughs> I mean, first of all, God saying, my thoughts are not your thoughts. I think it's good to be reminded every time uh, something negative, something against our identity, against the way God sees us, the way God looks at, upon us, we have to question those thoughts. 
Because the thoughts of God are, are not for our destruction. If he's a good father, it's always, you know, we know this verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I know my plans for you. It's my plan. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and future. So as for the Lord, his, his thoughts towards us is to prosper, to live in abundance, and to have hope and a bright future. So anything that would come against the thoughts of God, we have the authority to put a question mark to, to stand against that thought. And then he says, for us, um, for us the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's settle it in our hearts. Sometimes we don't need to know everything before we step out. He knows everything. That's it. That settles everything. And sometimes we, we, we equate faith with this, I have to know it so I will believe. No, faith is not like that. Faith is trusting on him. Um, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to him must believe that he is. He is what? He is God. He is good. He is a father. Everyone who comes to him must believe in his nature. Believe in his ways. Everything, everyone who comes to him must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Every, every pursuit will be rewarded. Every hunger, every posture of the heart towards the Lord, there's reward. For that is his nature. Amen. So... We, we, we have to approach the word of the Lord as if it's never detached from his, who God is, from his nature. The way you receive the word of the Lord is according to the way you see him and the way you, you relate to him. The word of God, that, that, that's Jesus. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word is God. So if we want to see more of the kingdom fleshed out here on this earth, whether it's signs and wonders and healings and miracles or favor or, or ideas, um, downloads of things, transformation, it is all connected to how we listen and how we treasure and how we steward the word of the Lord. The kingdom of God is this. The word becomes flesh here on this side of, the, of heaven. So it's not just talk. It's not just, Paul writes this. You know, the kingdom of God is not in, 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 in talks, in words, but in the demonstration of the power of God. It has to be demonstrated. Amen. So just imagine if we're postured, our hearts are postured towards that, that whenever we listen, we are ready not just to memorize it, but to become it. The word that we receive, the revelation would take over the word, and then we flesh it out. And we will not just have a message, we will become the voice, we will become the message to the world. The word becomes flesh and dwelt among us. 
says here, verse 10, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without water, watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and f- furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11, So will, I, will my word be which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty. Once the word of God goes out of his mouth, comes out of his, his mouth, he, he knows it will never return to him empty. It will accomplish, it will have fruits, it will have results, it will be demonstrated, it will be fleshed out. So when he speaks, he's not just encouraging us, he's actually building something in us. It's good to be encouraged, but it's quite different when we are this, become the source of courage for others because we are built up by his word. Yeah. Right? Making sense? Yeah. My word, the word that goes out of my mouth will not return void. It. The word itself has the power to accomplish God's promises. So when he speaks the word, in the word is God's ability. Now, the question is, what kind of soil? If the word of God is the seed, what kind of soil our hearts are? Because if we we so desire to see harvest, uh, harvest of 30, 60, and 100 fold, uh, then the question is not the word. The question is what kind of soil? If I want to see, if, if my desire to see uh, multiplication of, of, of miracles in, in this context, it's not so much about the God promise. God has already spoken. Now how do I keep that word in my heart that it continues to grow and bear fruit? It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire. I, I like this point, without accomplishing what I desire. You know, in, in the book of Acts chapter 13, it's written that David accomplished, lived out the desires of God in his generation. Wow. God has a desire for every generation. And his desire, he reveals it through his word. He speaks his word, and that word, when it is sown in a heart that is hungry, it becomes the dreams of God in the hearts of somebody, of a person, an individual, or a people, a culture. David was faithful in his generation in stewarding God's desires for his generation. It's one thing to dream our dreams. It's quite another to dream the dreams of God. And many times we dream based on our limitations. I think it's about time to dream from the place of this, that he is able. He is eternal. He is a good father. We dream from a place of his ability, not ours. So when God speaks in that word is the ability, God-given ability, that that word will become 
trees or, or you know, harvests or fruits, it will never return to him void. During the worship time, I was just reminded 13 years ago at Hosanna Lutheran Church, and I have dear friends and families here from Hosanna Lutheran Church. My wife and I were, were burning out poor pastors barely surviving. And what we had was an encounter with God. And I, I, I can't forget that time. I didn't have enough money in my pocket. I have a few dollars. And I went to the table where the resources of Bill Johnson and Randy Clark, Leif Hatland, and Heidi Baker were there. But I was just so hungry. My resources says I cannot buy more. But one thing for sure, I have the heart. If I could just get a few of those, I know I can replicate this. I, be, I bought few, went back to the Philippines. Night after night, I would listen to those preachings. And I've had, I'll have encounters with God. The seeds were sown to me, not as a preaching, but a seed from heaven. Thirteen years, looking back, it's all worth it. Twenty-nine nations, tens and thousands, ten, you know, sixty thousand, the biggest crowd in Pakistan. Nations are opening up, and now as a spiritual father, my desire is to not just to preach, my desire is to teach and inspire and model to people, keep your heart in the right place because out of it will flow issues of life. Guard that heart, guard the word, steward the word. Your increase, your influence, the breakthrough that you're looking for is all about what heart? The state of your heart. Amen. So, I would change gear a bit here, and I'll, I'll Pastor Dave mentioned this afternoon that the first place I, I preached after that impartation I got here in the U.S. was here in Heartland. I'll never forget that because that's my first time, first time I experienced winter. <laughs> Not good for a Filipino. It was scary. Yeah. You know, that was a shock to me. I remember Leanne, two of us coming out, and I was pulling my... Uh, luggage like this, and I didn't have gloves in my hands. I didn't have cover in my head. And the moment we got out of the door, and then wind just blew, snow, piles of snow. It's like, ah, what do I do? Do I go back? <laughs> so I would never forget that. 
It was February, first time I missed our, my, our anniversary, my wife and I was married in February 1st. And it was that day that I preached about Elijah and Elisha here. Last February 1st, I was in Norway, and that was my second time. <laughs> What's about winter and missing anniversary? What's about, <laughs> I don't know, but, <laughs> but my heart was broken when I said goodbye to my wife that time. But when I saw what God did in Norway, I preached February 1st. Today, I'll be preaching that message that I released in Norway. Same thing happened. The Lord came in the room, and one of the spiritual fathers of Norway came to me. He was shaking, and he said, he said to me after I preached, he said, Paul, you did not just speak to us. You spoke like a prophet to this nation. I didn't know I'm not a prophet, by the way. <laughs> I'm just a Filipino with thick jackets, you know, barely surviving the winter of Norway. <laughs> but it's more than, more than that. It's, it's, not a, it's not just the preaching. It's, if there's one thing I could nail here, the increase is within you. Christopher made reference a while ago based on the tongues spoken. The open heaven is already the key to your open heaven is already inside your heart. And that's why we sometimes go through seasons where we, we hunger and thirst. And, you know, as if we're looking for, for God, for more of him. And, and sometimes you, you don't right away see a breakthrough. But in the process of pursuit, you experience a breakthrough. For the past few months, I've been just nailing these two verses. Psalm 34, verse 4 and 5. It was during the time when David had to play like a madman, a fool, in the presence of a Philistine king. Because that time, everything was stripped away from him. He's no longer the famous guy in the city. He was the outcast. You know, he was serving the king in, in the courts of the king. And eventually, he became one of the, the, the generals of the army. But suddenly, something happens. Everything shifts. Transition happened, and he had to leave was not able to bring weapons with him, just few people with him. And Psalm 34 is amazing. In verse 4 it says, um, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Wow, what a powerful statement. I sought the Lord. And it's not just a, a simple uh, seeking, uh, shallow seeking. It's, it's uh, fu full of heart and full of passion and in the midst of so much pain and maybe confusion and, or fear, the only thing that I could do is to seek the face of God. 
And that's what David did. I sought the Lord, and then he said, and he heard me. Every seeking will be heard. Every seeking will be rewarded. Every pursuit. And he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. That's powerful. What happens when you are free from fear? You live in freedom. You walk in freedom. You don't fear the future. You don't fear what people may say. You don't fear failure. You walk in freedom. And perfect love casts away fear. There is no fear in love. Sometimes the only thing that we need is, is not a, a clear-cut, step-by-step uh, -step answer to what we are praying for. What we need is to see his face. Amen. Amen. That's what we need. That's just what we need. Sometimes I would soak and I don't have a clue what's, what's next. And he, some, you know, clarity does not come before obedience. Clarity comes after obedience. As we step out, then things become clear. That's why it, it, it is faith. It's trust. Are you with me? There are, are people would ask me, how did you know? I, I tell them after a healing or after a breakthrough, they ask me, how did, how did you know that, that that will happen? I, I tell them, I don't know. I didn't know. I just did. <laughs> how did you know that that's, that's the word? I just, I just have that in my heart. I, I just know because I saw his face. First time I was in Vietnam, eight years ago, yeah, Leif couldn't come, so I, I represent, represented him. They, they had me preach eight messages, nine messages for two days. They don't want to let me go. Like... I didn't even prepare for that much of preaching, but they, they just just draw something every, every. I finished the first session. The pastor comes to me. Can you do the next session? Just tell me two days and then I'll be insured. I, I preach, but I was not preaching based on my notes. I was preaching based on what's already here. And I saw God move. First time in my life I saw pastors in, in Vietnam crawling like babies when they heard that they are sons and daughters of God. These are heavily persecuted pastors in the highlands of Vietnam. For the first time they came to, to a realization, a revelation that they are sons, that they are not slaves. The word that we carry has a power to transform the world around us. Don't lower it to a mere preaching. Elevate it to an expectation that God will do something when the, his word is released. So, so David held on to the word of the Lord. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. And the, the next verse says, 
And they looked to him and they were radiant. So from, from an individual pursuit, I sought the Lord. It became they. My pursuit will become an inspiration, a catalyst, a, 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 if you may, my breakthrough will become a corporate blessing to the rest of the group. So if I want to change the culture, let it start in me. I have to capture the word of the Lord. I cannot wait for that, for them to be changed. I have to change. I have to become the word being made flesh. They look to him. My pursuit of God brings them to a posture of hunger, and they will lift their eyes to the Lord, and their faces will be radiant, and they will be free from all shame. As I will be free from all my fears, the people who will follow me, they will be freed from all shame. Keep the word of the Lord in your heart. 2 Kings chapter 13. Um, and this is the message I spoke in, in, in Norway. And I believe this is a follow-through to what I preached in February first here in 2009. This is the con continuation of that story, and I'll read the verses, and I'll begin to, afterwards, I'll, I'll just unpack things here. Verse 14, this is about the death of Elisha. Second Kings 13, when Elisha became sick, with the illness of which he, wa he was to die, Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over him and said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Take note of that. Those words, Joash, perhaps heard of the news that those were the very words that Elisha said before Elijah left. And I, this could be the magic words. <laughs> this could be a formula. Just say this little prayer and you will have an impartation. <laughs> so he said the prayers. He wept. He said, my father, my father. No. My father, my father. The chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Take note, Elisha said those words when he was before Elijah. Be right before Elijah was to be taken. He said those words. He acknowledged that Elijah is a spiritual father to him. He acknowledged that this is about a, a continuation of what God has spoken to Elijah, what God has promised to Elijah. If you do a study, Elijah never finished his assignment. Are you with me? So it's, it's like, you know, God is the God of generations. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. So when he sees you, he sees the generations after you. When he gives a word to you, it's not just for you. It's for the generations after you. That's right. That's right. So if we want to see a continuation of God's work, we have to dream for the next generation. And we have to have that... that uh, the awe and trembling in our hearts to steward the word. Because the way I steward it will be the way they will, they, they will be able to receive it. 
If I don't hold on to it, the next generation don't have inheritance. They might have teachings, they might have verses to memorize, but they don't have a momentum for their generation. And so here comes uh, Joash, he was saying this, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Elisha said to him, take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on it. Then Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. Amazing. I wish, maybe Elisha wished in that moment, I wish Elijah did it like this. This time I'm a better father. I have to help this guy. Uh, he, he touched the hands. He, he gave him instructions step by step. But Elisha, he never had that instruction. In fact, Elijah would question him, why are you following me? Stay here. Yeah. Are you with me? But now Elisha is, I would say, a better father. He was trying to assist this son, spiritual son, who is about to receive an inheritance. So he gives this instruction, and he laid his hands on the king's hands, and he said, open the window toward the east, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Aram, for you will defeat Arameans at Aphek until you have destroyed them. Take note of this. Elisha already declared, this is the arrow of God. What, what arrow? The arrow of God's victory. Whose victory? I mean, it's so clear. This is the arrow of God's victory. He shot that arrow and it was already released. Let me say this. There's already prophetic words spoken to this land. The arrow has been released already. There are arrows already released for our inheritance and our destiny. As for the Lord, it only takes one arrow. <laughs> Just one arrow, boom, the victory is sure. And take note, it's not just temporary victory. God desires complete, total victory. That's why uh, Elisha had to say that the total defeat of Arameans. It's wanting to win one single fight. It's quite another to totally be victorious. God wants complete, total victory. Then he said, take the arrows, and he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground, and he, stru he struck it three times and stopped. You know, up until that time, Joash was, was obedient. And a lot of times it's, in our pursuit of God, it's easy to obey when it's, there's like command every step of the way. But sometimes God would just be quiet because he wants to see. He can see your heart, but he wants your heart to come out. 
You know, have you read in, in, the, in the New Testament when you know, a blind man, blind man Bartimaeus, cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you know, the guy shouted when people started to hush him, hush him. He, he was brought to Jesus, and then Jesus asked him, what do you want? Hey, Jesus, I'm blind, you see? <laughs> now, that, the question is not about Jesus. He knows. It's about Bartimaeus. What's in your heart? What do you really desire? Remember this. His word will not return void. It will accomplish God's very desire. And so he wants to see what's in your heart. And when it aligns in his desire, boom, the word becomes flesh. So he struck the ground three times. So the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times, then you would have struck Aram until you would have destroyed it. But now you shall strike Aram only three times. Wow. The kind of heart that I have has influence for my city, for the future of the next generation. When I don't leave from my heart and strike the ground until I break all the arrows. When I'm tentative in my pursuit of God, I just given the next generation an excuse not to pursue him more. Wow. <laughs> Let me ask you this. How many arrows representing God's victory? How many arrows are in the hands of Joash? The rest of the arrows. He's got more arrows in his hand to hit the ground. It's like this. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I have already released my words. Now it's on your side to come in agreement with my ways and my thoughts. Will you hit the ground? So when he hit it just three times, Elijah was fuming. And maybe it's not because he's mad at the king. Maybe it's just because it brought him to his personal experience when he, he, was, he was nobody. Elisha, you know, he was a known guy. He's got his own world. He was from Iowa. <laughs> Uh, taking care of the, the fields, cornfields. He's got 12 pairs of oxen. Everything was doing well. And here, here comes a prophet who had a word from the Lord. The word from the Lord. God is about continuity of what he had promised he will accomplish. If this generation won't take it, the next generation will take it. If not, another generation will rise up. Are you with me? Am I making sense here? And so when when Elijah couldn't accomplish the fullness of what God has assigned him to do, God said, anoint Elisha. He will will be your successor. He will be your son. And here comes uh, the the Elijah who used to be, 
you know, he, he's got so many issues, he's you know, irritated prophet. <laughs> but he was powerful, he can call fire. Single-handedly, he turned the nation back to God. But he cannot turn his heart back to the love of God. He was just fuming. And God gave him an encounter, the still small voice. This is where uh, God was just telling him the continuation of the kingdom, the kingdom in the increase of God's government and peace here on earth. There shall be no end. If he did something in, a pre, in the previous generation, for sure he'll di- he will do something greater. But it's not comparison. It's a continuation of what he promised. That's right. I think this is where we kind of, you know, lose it. Because we try to compare what we have from others. Hey, let, let's go back to Elisha. He was fuming. Maybe he was reminded of the time when this, this prophet just came and right away just put that mantle on him. And remember that mantle was exposed in the glory. When God spoke to Elijah, he, he wasn't moved by the, 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 the earthquake, by the fire, by the wind. He wasn't moved, but he was moved by the, the still small voice of God. And when he came out of the cave, he wrapped himself with that mantle. That mantle was exposed in a greater glory. Before, this is the same guy, Elijah, who would stand before the presence of God. But now Elijah, who had an encounter of the voice of God, came out of the cave. He had to wrap around the mantle on his face. He cannot stand in before this greater glory that God is about to release. He missed it here, but God is saying, I will still continue and I will grant greater glory. This is where the double portion anointing happens. When the fathers could navigate the most difficult times in their lives, rejection, pain, and nothing is happening, but they'll have encounters of the still small voice of God, and they will rise up and still respond to the voice. And it's no longer about the, the, the earthquake and... It's all about the voice of the Father. It's all about that voice, like Isaiah saying, he heard this voice when the the fire was put on his lips. Whom shall I send? So Elijah wrapped himself with his cloak. And now he's no longer dreaming of his own ministry. He's an excited Father, but still he's got his, you know, (laughs) I don't know, he's just, yeah, (laughs) he's got issues. (laughs) And he finds this Elijah, everything was in order in Elisha, and he comes and he throws the mantle to him. And Elisha, when he felt the mantle, there was not, no clear introduction, but I believe something happened when that mantle fell on him. Something deep within him came alive. 
I don't know. I don't know if he was shaking or oil was coming or maybe suddenly he was caught up in the presence of God. Sometimes the Lord would just, our ordinary lives, he will just interject and come in and with his power, with his force, with his glory or with his love. My encounter in May 2006 was an embrace from a good father. Face to face, that was when the mantle fall on me. And the word of the Lord in the mantles in somebody, it could be Billy Graham or in revivalists of the past, those mantles are like the words of the Lord that will not return void. If they haven't accomplished the fullness of the promise, it is still here. Waiting to be taken by another generation. So he had a mantle. He felt maybe the presence of God. And then the next thing he said, I'll go and tell my parents. I like Elijah's response. What have I to do with you? What did I do? No explanation yet. He knew Elisha. This is the moment my life will forever change. I have to tell you. In May 2006, when I had an encounter with God, we came home back to the Philippines. The first prayer I said, I have no other option but to seek your face. And again and again, I'll do that. When I can't figure out what's the next step, I don't have to know everything. I just have to see your face. This is what sustained me in the middle of the night. It's not the earthquake. It's not the wind. It's not the fire. It's the still small voice of the Father. So when that mantle fell on Elijah, the first thing he did went to his parents. And later on, we know, we know this. Finally, he, he killed all the animals. I want to say this. If you want to see your future ablaze, you have to burn the past. You have to burn your past identity. You cannot continue living in the old identity. It burned it. I have no intentions to go back. And that has been my prayer again and again. And I feel like it's an uphill thing. It's, 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 it's hard. Things are not happening. It's not moving. My bias is to just go to the secret place and seek his face. So here comes... This is the, the source of Elijah's frustration. Because he asked for him, he burned everything. Asked for him, he, he pursued the father. You know, four times Elijah said, stop here. He said, no, I won't. When the rest of the, the sons of the prophets, they declared, you know, your father will be taken away from you. Elijah will be taken away from you. Everyone knows this is the time of Elijah. And they were saying, you can, you can just stay here. 
Or maybe, you know, it could be you can be a prophet. It can be the ones who would train us. You, you'll have a secured ministry here. <laughs> Just my own translation, by the way. <laughs> but sometimes it's the good things here that distract us from what is the real kingdom agenda. And we loosely hold the mantle. But not Elisha. He pursued. And we know, we know it. I preach about it. If, if you don't, you haven't heard of this message, maybe you can just ask for a copy from 2009. <laughs> <laughs> Elijah said before he left, he said, if you see me, then it is yours. Elisha asked for double portion, right? Yeah. Elijah explained it. It's hard. What you're asking, it's hard. But imagine Elisha. He's not just going to repeat what his spiritual dad did. He wants to double it. He wants more. And Elijah said, it's difficult. It's hard what you're asking, but... If you see me when I'm taken, it's yours. Rick Pino, at one time in a conference, he said, another rendering of that is, when you see what I see, then it is yours. When you see the way I see, then it is yours. When you see what the Father is seeing, then you can walk in the double portion. When you can capture the heart of the Father, then you will have the double now here comes Joash. He was just repeating what Elisha said, but there was no heart that followed that declaration. His heart was not ready. So Elisha got mad. He was brought to that experience. Just imagine, he could have uh, Joash, he is a king, he's receiving a prophet's mantle. <laughs> he could have been close to David's anointing. David, priest by heart, he prophesied about Jesus, and then he's a king. Now, Joash had this moment with a father, a spiritual father. The mantle is waiting for somebody to inherit double portion, but his heart was not ready. I'll repeat it again. So the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times, then you would have struck Aram until you would, you would have destroyed it. Complete victory, not partial. And you will see that, you will see that in, in Old Testament. The enemy in which the father generation did not face will be the same enemy that the next generation will fight. So my victory, our victory, is connected to the future of our children, the next generation. So here comes Elisha. He was mad and he said, you could have struck it five times and six times. Maybe Joshua was, 
I didn't know you should have said this. You should have said it and I would. Sometimes God would be silent and because he will just wait for your heart to be expressed. I've done crazy things that I didn't have a clear word. I just know God would bail me out. <laughs> yeah, in Vietnam, in Cambodia, in Pakistan. I saw my spiritual dad. You know, this recent trip in Pakistan, <laughs> I watched him change the atmosphere. I, I said well, at one point I took a picture of an imam kissing him. I said, you have an upgrade. Before you were the one kissing imams. Now they're kissing you. Uh. <laughs> That's upgrade. <laughs> but the point is this. What are you willing for? What are you willing to die for and to fight for for the next generation? What level of victory? It says here in verse 20, Elisha died and they buried him. Now the bands of Moabites would invade the land in the spring of the year. As they were burying a man, behold, they saw a marauding band and they cast the man into the grave of Elisha. This is a grave, you know. And when the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived resurrection and stood up on his feet. Why is that? Because the word of the Lord will not return void. In the body of Elisha, the word of God, the promise are still present. I'm not suggesting go around the graves and find somebody and touch, you know. You can access the inheritance with your hunger. We didn't have pastor early in the 90s, but we had revival books. We would cry out, and with our hunger, we access anointings in the past. What are you willing to fight for? I like how it was written, as I said a while ago, in Acts chapter 13, it says, and David, he was faithful in God's desire in his generation. That's why our encounter with God is the starting point, because his desire becomes our dream. When we see his face, when we see his beauty, we're transformed. Our son David, he's 19 years old. I think it was early this year. Uh, the light in his room was still open, 1 a.m. And I went to, to his room, knock on the door, David, time to sleep, you know, fatherly voice, David. <laughs> Put some authority in <laughs> And when he came out of the door, tears flowing in his eyes. And he said, Dad, I've been praying. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
what I fought for in the secret place. Now I see my son, my daughter, walking in that anointing, in that hunger, as a lifestyle. We'll have visitors from different places, New Zealand, US, and they'll, they'll stay in our house. And one of the things we do as a family, four of us, Almira, my wife, Dave, and Sophie, we would invite our guests to, to go to my soaking room. And we will soak. And then we will let our children prophesy. I can never forget several times when Sophia prophesies. And I, I would be scared, like, oh my God. <laughs> and I just knew God was all over the word that she was speaking. And I could see our friends receiving it, and they would tremble at the word. In Proverbs 4, Solomon said, when I was young, my father told me, in all thy getting, get wisdom. Teach the next generation how to steward the word. For in the word is the release of the realm of heaven here on earth. When God speaks, he creates. He said, let there be light. That was light. When the enemy tempted Jesus, he spoke, it is written. He used the word as a weapon. Don't lower the power, the potential, what the word could do to mere discussion. Let it shape our inner being. I wrap up with this story. Uh, I shared some of this during the pastor's meeting this afternoon and yesterday. One guy, three years ago, used to be a gay. And he calls himself a prostitute, online prostitute. Yeah. That was his life, into drugs, into prostitution. He was living in a very poor area in Manila. And one time, he heard the good news. It was not the message about what's wrong with him, but it was a message about what is inside of him or who he is. It's a message of identity. Cut long story short, that encounter brought him to a freedom, he finally came to understand that he is a son, a beloved of the Father. His name is Jeff. He was radically transformed. And because of that, he brought his friends, gay friends, cross-dressers. Now they have makeups and you know, short shorts. Fifteen of them would come to our meeting, Sunday service. And at one point, I, I couldn't recognize who's the ladies here and who's the, <laughs> the lady boys. 
but we welcomed them with open arms. And Jeff became the champion for them. A picture of hope. The word became flesh. Not preaching. The word became flesh. And a few months out of the 50, seven of them surrendered their lives to the Lord. Out of the seven, I think four got married and they have their children now. Jeff, his story has been, uh, this, a, a video was produced by 700 Club about his story. And it's spreading around Asia. One man had an encounter. Now he's being invited by mega churches in Manila. <laughs> Even the nations desire his story. Out of that, one man was transformed. He's living in a community, poor place in Manila, used to be known as you know, where, where they sell drugs and be killed in the streets. The leader of that village, a woman, she said, when destiny came in and Jeff became part of the local government office, he works as a secretary to the government official, a kind of village leader. She said, our village has been voted as one of the most peaceful villages. From killing fields to shalom. The environment started to change. And that village captain even said, please, Destiny, use our, our building for your meetings. Last year, Jeff and all of his friends, they gathered together. Now they, I think 300 from one person, 300 got saved. My word will not return void. The anointing is still there. So whether it's an impartation, a prophetic word, whether it is like you just listening to a preaching or, or listening to an audio, don't just treat it as another lesson that you could teach. Treat it as if God is talking to you and he's imparting his thoughts, his realm in the form of his word because he's about to release heaven through you. To this one, I will look, the one who trembles at my word. The one who is humble and a contrite of heart. Amazing. Now, Jeff, people would write him on Facebook asking for help. He used to be one of the mobilizers of the communist group for LGBT group. Now, even his friends who used to be communists are asking him, how did you change? Friends, tonight, 
I want to give an invitation. There's arrows of God's victory over this land, over your lives, over your people, over your land, over your nation that have been released through individuals, maybe revivalists or a common housewife or uh, maybe, I don't know, somebody prayed and had an encounter of the face of God. The word of the Lord is released. The arrow of victory has been shot. Now, take note of this. The arrow of God is representing God's victory. is only one arrow. I want to suggest this. This, we have more arrows in our hands. It only takes one word for God, things will happen. We have more options, we have more things, we have more demonstration. Don't let go of your arrows. Maybe it's for your children, maybe it's for the future of your church, maybe it's for the future of this land or nation or whatever. Strike the ground, don't stop. Again and again and again. Maybe it's about Heartland. What do we do? Don't just settle for what we have now, what you are now. Ask for more, not just for you. It will be for the generations next. What's the connection between the three strikes to the three victories? It's connected. You're given a moment to transform, to secure a victory of the future, and, never, and you never grab hold of that moment. Elisha had that moment. He took the mantle and never let go. And you, you read it twice. He doubled the anoint, He doubled the demonstration. But still, he, it was not enough to, to empty the mantle of God's promises. The mantle was still breathing or, or carries the word of the Lord. So much so when the, the dead man was placed on the bones of Elijah, Elisha, that dead body rose up. Maybe this is too much to, to capture, but we can embrace or maybe receive something here. Can we be like David who will be faithful in God's desire for our generation. Several times I, you know, it's that temptation that, you know, slow down and you can, you can just cruise and just, uh, and I'm in that mode. I look for things that would confront me with my lack of hunger. And one time I was in Mozambique. The second time I spoke in the men's conference in Pemba, Irish base. Presence of God was all over the place. Men were just messed up. Men were just... They were dancing, and when Africans dance, they really dance. <laughs> like, for two hours, nonstop. They were rejoicing. They had, they had a breakthrough. And I was, like, enjoying the moment and just watching the man and, and kind of preparing for my next message. 
And then as I was watching this man dancing, like, wow, that's, uh, wow this, is, this is amazing. And then suddenly, right before my eyes, one of the, the guys there, all sweat, you know, muddy shirt, got hit by the power of God. He fell on the floor, and he was shaking like that. The rest of the men, they were still dancing. And then I, I was led to look at that person. It was shaking, and tears were flowing. And I heard the voice of God saying, Paul, I want you to remain like that. I want you to be. You can receive the word of the Lord at any level, at any moment when your heart is open. I got wrecked. I forgot my message, but in that moment I knew God was talking to me. And so that face would remind me every time I feel like cruising and just, okay, I've arrived and this is it. This, I have a ministry. I have to remind myself of the moment, the first time I saw Heidi Baker in, in their home in, in Pemba. A Sunday night after a long Sunday service. Their service could go for eternity. By the way, like four, four hours from 7 to 1, a, 1, a, uh, 1 p.m., like nonstop, and there's wedding always. You know? So, I mean, it, it could be so tiring. Nighttime, there's, there's a meeting for, for leaders, international guests, and then with the orphans. I mean, the house of Heidi, it's, it's chaotic. <laughs> it's like orphans running around, opening the fridge, getting things there. While international guests were waiting for Heidi. And I was watching these things going on, and I saw Heidi, Heidi Baker came, from, came down from her, her room. And the first thing she did was to get a plate of food and to look for an orphan when nobody was seeing. But I watched that, and she knelt down and gave the food to the orphan. This is the kingdom. So tonight, I just be desperate for more. Not desperate because we can't have more, but desperate because we have more. More is available. More is norm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. If God would grant you a picture, a desire in your heart, what the, those, those arrows would represent. It could be for your children. Hit the ground hard tonight. Really hit it. Maybe with your declaration or your desperation or whatever. Just let your heart be open up. Like Elisha, because that is the place where the mantle will fall. The word of the Lord is sown in the heart, not in an event, in the heart. Amen. So, can we all stand up?
this moment, can we just stir up in our hearts a hunger? Maybe you could pray in tongues or whatever, just in this room. I've got to have more, God. I've got to have more. Let's just lift up our voices now. Come on, just lift up the voices. Strike the ground. Strike the ground with your, with your hunger. Strike the ground again and again and again. Don't, not just three times, five times, six times. Come on, strike the ground. Strike the ground. The promises of the Lord. Remind him, remind him of the prophetic words. The arrow has been released. It is the arrow of God's victory. Come on, let's prophesy over ourselves. Prophesy maybe to your wife, to your, to your, to your son or to your daughter. Ho! Show! Ah! Shakaraba kashandarababa. Come on, some more, some more. Let's just, let's just allow this moment. Whoa! Come on, total victory, total victory. Cry out for total victory. Not partial breakthrough, total victory. God, grant us total victory. Shekarabakata. Ho! Come on, lift up your hands to heaven. Receive a mantle. Receive. Receive a fresh word from heaven. Come on, cry out. Ho! Shekarabakata rabababa. Ho! How many arrows of God's promises have been released out in the window, out of the window? Come on. Over your land. Shoot. Ho. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up our voices. Look to heaven. Look to the heavens now. If you see what I see, it will be yours. Elijah said to Elisha. God has given you a business. There's a purpose for that business. It's not just to earn. It is to release the kingdom. It is to set the captives free. God has given you a word. God has given you a message. It's not just to preach. It is to release heaven on earth. Come on, maybe talents and anointing in your lives, potential. Oh. Can we just pray in tongues right now? Pray, pray. Fathers, if you have your children, fathers and moms here, if you have your children with you, pray for them and release that. Uh, impart that hunger, impart. Uh, just maybe in, in your prayer. Oh. Oh, hit the ground, hit the ground, hit the ground. Prophetically declare the arrow of God's victory over my family, the arrow of God's victory over my ministry. Oh. Oh, 
The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. And violent men, radical men and women lay hold of it as a prize. Now lay hold of the kingdom. Lay hold of mantles and words and prophetic words. There's something in this moment. You're, get, you're being invited to desire the desires of God for your generation. To desire the desires of God for your church. Oh. <laughs> for the next generation for the next generation for the generations after us for the nations I want to open the altars tonight. I'm telling you, God's wanting to invite you in to stir yourself up again. There's always a danger of settling for false finish lines, for things plateauing. And you look where you once were and you feel like, well, I've come, I've come a long way and it's easy to plateau. But God wants to give you more. Don't be distracted by other people praying. You just let them pray. Let them go after God. But press in tonight. God wants to give you more. He's wanting to stir up hunger. When Elisha told the king, he said, he had him shoot an arrow through the, through the window, and that was breakthrough. But the force and the persistence which, with which he shot the arrows in the ground would be the, would be the magnitude of the victory. The victory's already there, but the magnitude of the victory is the persistence with which he struck the ground. And if God's dealing with you tonight, I want to open the altars. I want you just to come forward and begin to ask the Lord to stir up your hunger, to give you a greater breakthrough. The Lord wants to lift the lid off our hunger. There's a danger of settling for those false finish lines. of settling for past victories. God wants to pull us in deeper. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. 
If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.